The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European edition. Today, Ren make PSG lose again. Goat v Chevra. Shakira's PK blinder. Napoli Spalletti sauce. The Bundesliga returns, and maybe it has a title race this time. We'll be talking about all of that and much more in this Totally Football Show. Tuesday, 17th of January. Welcome, listeners, to another totally European football show. Got some Alvaro Romeo with us today. Alvaro. Hello. Hello, guys. And, of course, accompanied by the sounds of Julian Laurent. Bonjour. And James Horncastle. Hello. Raphael Honigstein. Well, he'll be along a little bit later because the Bundesliga has finally decided to show up. Uh, they get back underway this Friday. What's that opening fixture? Whew, RB Leipzig, Bayern Munich. We'll get Rafa on that. Soon enough. Only four points, you know. The gap at the top of the Bundesliga, which is which is tight. Not like, uh, I don't know, League One, where I appear to what, 10, 11 points ahead of the Jules? How many is there now? Ha, ha, ha. Not anymore, James. Only three points. What? PSG and Lens. Yes. No. But that would mean they... They, they lost for the second time in, what, about 15 <laughs> days or something? That's right. Exactly. Extraordinary. Well, do tell us about that ever so soon. Yeah, League One, only three points. It's true, La Liga, only three points. Bundesliga, four points. Premier League, oh, eight points. What's this? Serie A, nine points now, Napoli. Good Lord. Yeah, it's that super rich uh, state wealth-backed uh, Neapolitan operation, uh, which is just killing domestic football. Um, no doubt Aurelio De Laurentiis wants some kind of Super League, um, but no, it's a, a feel-good story. Uh, right. And I think uh, everyone who's not a Juventus, Milan or Inter fan would get behind Napoli winning uh, the league, and it looks more and more likely. does, doesn't it? OK. How about we kick off our weekend roundup with a moment of the weekend. Alvaro. Yeah, my, my moment of the weekend, since I know that we will talk about the Basque Derby and uh, Barcelona winning the Super Cup, I think that it has to be Sevilla um, being uh, rock bottom of La Liga. Uh, only Elche uh, is behind them, Elche who are a terrible side right now. And after them is Sevilla, 19th on the table. They lost in the weekend to Girona after getting the first goal. And um, that situation looks very bad. They only have 15 points right now. They are two points far from safety. And um, I don't know if uh, the project of Sampaoli is going to succeed, but I've got the feeling that he won't. Because before Sampaoli arrived in Sevilla, he asked for signings. Those signings are not coming yet. And uh, Sevilla is dropping points continuously. I mean, it's incredible. Last season, they qualified for the Champions League for the third year straight. And this Sevilla side right now will be relegated. So the moment of the week has to be Sevilla being so bad and them losing to a very fine side like Girona. Right. Betis, meanwhile, their city rivals up in the European positions. When was the last time that Sevilla were down? Uh, they went down in 2000, I believe, mm. uh, in what it was a, a tremendous year for Spanish football because I'm talking you know, from my memory, but I think that Atletico, Sevilla and Betis got relegated that this season and Deportivo won La Liga. So it was extraordinary. 
Extraordinary indeed. All right. James Horncastle, you mentioned Napoli. I'm sure we'll talk more about them. Uh, what would be your moment of the weekend, though? Well, actually, I'm going to go with a moment from Monday morning, James, mm. because it was a rainy day in Palermo. And one of the greats of the Italian game, Toto Schilacci, was stood in line outside a clinic. <laughs> Clapping. <laughs> Just going for a checkup. Um, when what kind all of a clinic sudden, are we talking about? A health clinic, James. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, private clinic. When all of a sudden these guys in balaclavas uh, sort of rush past him and apprehend another patient who just so happens to be the most wanted mafia boss, a fugitive of 30 years. And yeah, Schilacci was there like, like all great strikers, James. Right place, right time. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Jules. I picked James, um, the Lyon Ultras on Saturday night who were not happy with their players after yet another defeat at home against Strasbourg, second from bottom. So for all the listeners who remember the, the EFS show that we used to do on BT, the Lyon Ultras took out the, uh, the banners with the, the famous goat uh, on it. This huge, this huge goat that kept appearing during the game because for the ones who didn't watch EFS and should have watched EFS, in French, we said that you, you're a chèvre, so you're a goat, if you're really bad at something, especially at football. And clearly the Ultras had a message, the message for their, their Lyon players and how bad they've been really all season, but especially more in the last few weeks since the, the restart of Ligue 1. Um, insulting them, uh, calling them chèvre, insulting some of the players, Usemawa, Toko Ekambi, uh, Dembele, they had... Um, Banners with their faces on, drawn, their face drawn on, saying get out. Uh, so it was a very toxic atmosphere at the end of the game. After they lost, the Ultras tried to get on the pitch. So it was, it was really, really bad. And, and in the stands was John Texter, the new owner for his first ever time in Lyon. Maybe thinking like, why on earth did I spend 800 million euros for this? Extraordinary. But this business of the GOAT being a really disastrously untalented player is a little bit confusing. I recall at PSG, they'll often have that sign and famously Messi scores and the sign turns around to GOAT. Isn't that a bit of kind of mixed messaging? Why, why? Yeah, it's a bit of paradox. I mean, the French don't know what GOAT in English means. You know, they, 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 so they know is... that you use it for greatest player of all time. But oh, okay, apart right. from that, they don't know what kind of animal it is. So I, see. I don't think they're associated. Oh, so with GOAT means, of course, because the word GOAT doesn't mean GOAT in French. All right, I'm back <laughs> up to speed. <laughs> I'm glad you've just listened to us. <laughs> and you were on that. Right, that. Sure so well, goat sure. is that and chevre. Yeah. Chevre is, yeah. But if you're an English player playing in front of that, you think, oh, right, goat. Yeah, they exactly. love us. Yeah, yeah, you know. Wow. <laughs> this is so nice. <laughs> they love me. It's not really, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, good, let's move on. Actually, let's start with Ligue 1. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LiveScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Alright, so Jules, we've heard about Lyon, but Paris Saint-Germain, they lost again. Away at Rennes, who I think beat them more than anybody in recent years in, in Ligue 1. Yeah. What an atmosphere as the, 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 the team buses arrive there at the Roison. Yeah, the Roison Park is great. It's been great for a few years now. A lot of um, young fans, young ultras, if you want, putting great atmosphere within the ground. 
And it's part of the reason why PhD struggle every time they go there. He's the buggy team. I think he's three wins and one draw now. Uh, it's Pep the, Genesio as well. Pep Genesio, well, I, of course. I hear that, that they're calling. The I hear that they're calling uh, Guardiola Bruno Guardiola. Actually, yeah, yeah, no, very much so, <laughs> uh, for sure. And he had a good plan, Pep Genesio. To be fair to him, the back five worked really well. Uh, they. They were aggressive, they, they played great, and PSG, on the other hand, was shocking. No verticality, no movement, nothing happening, and Mbappe was on the bench, so was Hakimi. But Messi and Neymar started, didn't do anything. I think they, this was the game with the lowest XG for PSG so far this season, the lowest shot, lowest shot on target as well. They just, they just were not, they didn't turn up, they were not there. It was pretty embarrassing. Was it a bit of a World Cup hangover? Hakimi didn't look great when he came on, and Mbappe missed a big chance at the end. Mm. Yeah, I think this is certainly the excuse that Galtier is giving us now, saying, oh, but I knew January would be tough because we had 11 players at the World Cup uh, who went quite far, you know, uh, in the competition. And we expected it. I think I think it's BS, to be fair. I, I think that even if that was the case, even if they are maybe a bit tired, I mean, Messi had three weeks off. Uh, Mbappe had two weeks off. So, like, I'm not really sure if that's a reason why I think is Galtier is not doing a very good job right now. I just don't think what he does at training, but we don't see any of it during matches. And players don't seem to, again, to care that much. So it's, uh, I think it's really worrying what we've seen on Sunday night. How long is it before you start referring to him as the French guy, Jules? Very soon, I think, because he's really tying me now. And I start to get really, really cross watching them and shouting at him. And I just don't see anything from him. Like, I don't, I don't see any, any ideas that... Like that game on Sunday, just quickly on it. It was from the beginning, you could tell that it was not going to be a good night. And yet he didn't do anything to change apart from bringing on Killian, which anybody could have done. So he's there standing and I just don't see any leadership from him. And he thinks, like, okay, this is not working. But clearly from the beginning, it looked like it was not going to work. But he didn't do anything until, until late and, being, and bringing on Mbappe, which is not good enough, I think. How much the credit goes to Ren? Did they were they particularly effective at shutting down Neymar and Messi? Yeah, they were. They were. They were very good. They worked really hard. The the the, the incredible thing about this Ren performance is that the two best players are out. Terrier and and Borijo. Terrier is injured, long injury. Did his ACL, bless him. And Borijo is suspended. And yet, even without them two, they were still way better than PSG, which is again very worrying from Paris from a Paris point of view. But Game plan perfect, we said from, from Pep Genesio. Execution perfect as well. The young centre-backs, you know, were, were excellent. And, and it, was too, it was just too easy for them. But the atmosphere mm. was great and it was a great, great occasion. Jules, there's a certain kind of margin for error with, with PSG managers. You can slip up a certain amount and you, you're still going to walk the league. PSG have a three-point advantage still, but that's the second away defeat in a row. How concerned are you about this year's title? Yeah, I think it would be a challenge, maybe more than we certainly thought at the start of the season. The way they started, it, it was well, it was good. I mean, we can go back to the debate, did Messi and Neymar really perform that well in the first half of the season because the World Cup was coming and now it's going to be different? I, I, we, no one knows, we would have to wait a little bit more to see, I, I don't think so. But certainly, lost three points behind, they would have to travel to the Parc des Princes. Marseille five points behind, by the way, on an incredible winning streak right now, uh, playing really well, both of them, to be fair. So mm. there would be there would be a challenge. Monaco ten points behind, so they're a bit too far, I think. But but it's it's yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be quite fascinating to see how PSG react. The thing about the two away defeats, 
the two home wins against Angers and Strasbourg, who are really bad teams, were, were kind of difficult to get as well. It's not like they blew them away. Mm. So it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit worrying. Okay, Longs beat Auxerre 1-0 to go three points behind the Parisians. Olympic Marseille 3-1 winners against Lorient, who had Vito Manoni in goal. I noticed yeah. there was a lot of there was a lot of former gunner in that because he had uh, Kolasinac and, and Sanchez both on the score sheet and Gendouzi uh, who and played Gendouzi. as well for Marseille yeah mm. so a few a few of them Marseille going behind and then reacting really well they're, they're playing so great they're the teams whose defenders scored the most this season they're, they're wing backs Kolasinac scored as you said in that game uh, and their defenders they're very good on set pieces they have a lot of good crosser of the boards and the wing backs you know that Chengizunda who played right wing back in that game crossed the ball for Kolasinac who was the left wing back so that works really well. Tudor, I have to say, for all the maybe skepticism that was there when he arrived, including from the fans who remember booed him in that first friendly that he took charge of, has won everybody over. It's, it's working really well. And if they can strengthen, other than from Malinowski, who had a, a good first start, could have been better, I think, but still part of that big win. I think I think they could really push Lens and PSG and let's let's go, let's see how far they go. And don't forget that. I think PSG will have to travel to the Velodrome this season. So, so hmm. yeah, Tudor was one of the coaches of the year in Serie yeah. A last season with in, with Verona. And this season too. And I, I think what's quite interesting, really, is uh, this midweek we'll see Juventus announce their new board, new president, new chief executive. There might be a change of sporting director at some stage as well. And you know, while these reports that you know Allegri is under scrutiny after the five-one defeat to Napoli, I think are a little bit overblown. Were they to change things in the summer, I think Tudor would be someone that they would consider because um, because of his Juve past, his understanding of the club. He was there recently. He was an assistant to Andrea Pirlo, but had a lot of head coaching experience prior to that. But certainly, you know, even the makeup of the squad suits what he's doing at Marseille, suited what he did at Verona. He's, yeah, so he's, he's done very well. You just wonder how he will do with like a big dressing room with big players and big egos because at the time he cla- at the start he clashed now things are much better but he clashed with with Gendouzi for example he clashed with Gerson who since you know he's not playing and leaving the club but be- because he's, he shouts so much and he's so loud and he's so intense that some just like go with it and are on board and then when everybody's on board it's what Marcia are doing now which is great but if you have a few, especially of your leaders that are not on board, then I think that could be a bit difficult for him because of the, the way he manages. You know, it takes you know, no prisoners, really. All right. Well, for now, Olympic five points behind PSG. Uh, ten points back in four spot, as you mentioned, Monica. What a result for them. And Philippe Clermont this Sunday evening, taking on Ajaccio and giving it to them up the Jaccio. Yeah, 7-1 win, incredible. Uh, with Sam Benye there, who we mentioned before, we are big fans of him, of course. Now Amazing more towards player. the end of his career, but scoring a hat-trick in 14 minutes, which is not even his quickest, because at the end of last season, wow. he scored one in the league in 10 minutes. Uh, an amazing striker who's a bit in and out of the team now. I think at his age, he's not always a guarantee starter. And, and Clément likes Mbolo, for example, who's, who scored two goals in that game. And, and he's very, very good, I have to say. So there's different combinations that Clément can go for. But when Ben Yedda is in that kind of form, or just when he gets the chance, usually he's so clinical. And it was great to see him scoring the hat-trick. Monaco were really, really outstanding. It's just a shame that they can't find the consistency yet, both in results and in performances. They're capable of really good games. And then after that, it's a bit sloppy and it's a bit slow. And I don't know why Clément can't just get that, but if they do get that between now and the end of the season, then I think they can keep winning and and maybe just 
know, go a bit in the mix with the, the, the top three. Mm, I like the look of this uh, young player they've got. Ben Seguir, his name is, Jules. What do you make of him? Yeah, did you like him? I liked him. Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's involved amazing. in a couple of the girls. What amazing. I didn't like was, and I've never seen a coach do this because he looked like he worked at an investment bank in the city, was Philippe Clermont, first coach I've seen wear red trousers. What's going on there, Jules? It's the colours of the club, bro. Like, what, what do you I want know, to I wear? know that, but like, oh, you know. like... It's ironic no, just... that he was wearing red trousers because the Ajaccio manager is called Olivier Pantaloni. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. although don't do those kind of jokes after a 7-1 win because, you know, Pantaloni and the Corsicans, quite oh. hot-tempered, so I think that would, that would not go down well. Right. Yeah, they Pantalone, pulled down their Pantaloni. Yeah, exactly. Very much exactly. So. Very much so. All right, then. Wow, what a weekend... And five in... goals for Lille. Don't forget our friend Paulo Fonseca, who we all love dearly. Uh, yeah, pa- you know, putting five past trois, who are not very good. We know that, right. but still very good performance from Fonseca's players. They put five past trois. No, it's only 9.25. Hey! Was, hey. Nice one. <laughs> <What>? Anything <laughs> else, Jules, before we get on to the hot Serie A action from the weekend? Uh, just quickly, he kicked off in Montpellier, which we kind of expected after they were spanked by Nice in the previous game and then at home to Nantes. Uh, insulting banners towards the um, the players. The game was stopped because of the flares and the uh, the, uh, the, the 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 kind of bombs that they were th- the fans the, the ultras were throwing on the pitch. Ugly scenes, really. I think it could have been worse, uh, and it could get worse even if if nothing changes at Montpellier. So really bad scenes at Montpellier. Oh dear. All right. Well, some happy scenes meanwhile in Serie A, and lots and lots of goals. We'll hear about those next. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad, and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. All right, 35 goals this weekend in City. Six of them came in Naples in that big match. Juventus team is second place going down to the Stadio Diego Armando Maradona on Friday night and getting spanked 5-1. Napoli, it's their title, James? I think it is. Uh, And... They give off, if not an aura of invincibility, because we saw them lose for the first time this season to Inter in the first game back from 2023. I think they still have an aura of inevitability uh, about them. And, you know, one of the reasons for that is uh, they're playing the best football in Europe, I think. They have shown that they are capable of playing without some of their best players earlier in the season. So we saw, for example, Cavadat 
be out for three weeks with a back injury. Elliot Elmas came in for him, scored in the first game, kept scoring, came off the bench, scored the fifth goal against Juventus. Rachmani was out. They managed to cope with Juan Jesus, who was a figure of fun at Roma, considered a liability, and yet Napoli kept winning with him in the team. Uh, and you know, also we saw Osimhen out at the beginning of the season. And rem- remember some of the big wins that Napoli had, which I think were actually better performances than the one that they put in against Juventus on Friday night. They came with Raspadori in the team. They mm. came with Cholito Simeone coming on for Osimhen when he got injured against Liverpool. So all of that ogre as well. And as much as people say, Napoli, their chokers, Spalletti, what's he ever won? The reality is is that Spalletti took Roma to the final day in 2008. Uh, Spalletti has won a league before in Russia with Zenit St. Petersburg. So he knows what to do over 38 games. And this was obscured by Francesco Totti's retirement. Um, But record points total uh, in his last season at Roma, um, which would have been enough in a kind of non-Allegri Juventus era to win the league lots of times over. Um, so he knows what it takes to, to get the kind of points total you need uh, in order to win the league. So lots of reasons to believe in Napoli, if, uh, in, in my opinion. Mm. After that stumble coming back from the, the World Cup break, this was this was them with the same kind of swagger that we saw in those early weeks of the season in the Champions League, particularly and for Juventus, their heaviest defeat in the league since they got done by the same scoreline at Pescara. In May 1993, when the opening scorer, James, was? Massimiliano Allegri. Yeah, extraordinary. All right. <laughs> I love the scenes with Spalletti having to chase him for a handshake at the end of the at the end of the 90s, which he gave in the end. It wasn't any kind of ill feeling. It was just he was so lost in his thoughts and despondency. Spalletti's one of those prickly characters. Uh, and Allegri had kind of sung his praises in the press conference before the game, saying, I think he's the, the best coach. I think he's really good at teaching players. No one does it better. He's a bit funny, you know, uh, and all that sort of thing. And Spalletti was like, funny how? In <laughs> <laughs> his press conference. And, uh, and so I think he's got a problem with me, Allegri. And, and yeah, after the game, to then see him sort of have to chase after him for this handshake was just... Stalking like... him almost down the uh, down the uh, the metres towards the tunnel. Yeah. 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 Well, all right. So Juve, that sees them slipping back behind uh, Milan, a point behind the Rossoneri and level with Inter. With this crowd of three teams, we're all three points behind the top four, Lazio, Atalanta and Roma. And Atalanta, with a real statement victory this weekend... Atlanta, by the way, who are going to be Juve's next opponents. That's next Sunday night. Atlanta winning 8-2 on Sunday afternoon against Salernitana. Seven different goal scorers. It's the first time uh, the Bergamaschi have ever scored eight in a league game. Uh, they're looking strong. They are. And, I mean, we were in the green room at BT Sport preparing for Golazzo Live. And we'd just seen... Monaco put seven past the Jazio, and then we we followed it up with Atlanta pulling eight past Salernitana, and then we had Roma, the, which was a slightly different story. <laughs> but it's always great to see a Gasparini side in full flow, and I think this felt like the first time really since uh, Papu Gomez left uh, after his altercation with Gasparini and went to Sevilla 
uh, after Josipilicic kind of left the club in the summer. Um, hadn't really been the same player um, since the pandemic. Um, and Duven Zapatis had lots of injuries. So at the start of this season, Atalanta were playing a different style, really. They were sometimes playing with a back four. They were playing deeper rather than pressing high. They were, their defensive record was more press, uh, impressive than their attacking numbers. But it feels that Gasp has figured uh, a way to be Gasp again. Um, and and I think some of that is he's got uh, Palomino back. Palomino, who was... Uh, Tested positive uh, in an anti-doping test, has had to clear his name, has cleared it, and he's one of their best defenders. And that just gives them a platform to go and do some really good stuff in attack. And they've got some great kids. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw how successful Lookman has been for them since he moved from Leicester. Jeremy Boga finally scored his first goal for the club uh, after signing this time last year. And uh, Rasmus Hoyland looks like one of the signings of the season. Picked him up for 17 million from Sturm Graz. He's a Danish centre forward. He's really quick. He can play with his left, his right foot. He's good in the air. He won a couple of penalties, scored. And, you know, Gasparini is usually quite cautious when it comes to talking up his players. Um, but twice this last week, he said, Hoyland's a really special talent. Um, and Scalvini, another one of the kids that they brought through the academy, um, he can kind of play anywhere. He looks like one of the best young Italian talents as well. So things looking up and you mentioned that they play Juventus next. Juventus who'd been on this run of eight consecutive games without conceding, only conceded seven goals all season. They then ship five uh, to Napoli and they're now facing a team that has scored eight. And we all know about Atalanta's firepower when they're mm. on form. So uh, another... <laughs> Another exacting test in what is a big week for Juventus with all the changes at the club coming. Absolutely. And an Atalanta win would see them move into the top four and Juve drop back out of it, Jules. Yeah, eight goals scored by Atalanta with seven different goal scorers, which again, mm. I think shows like what James was saying about the firepower of that team. It's pretty impressive. Lukman is the only one to score two. Everybody, you know, the other seven is just one. one, And I think it's, it's very impressive collectively to have so many goal scorers in a game like this. Absolutely. Do you think Atalanta are the strongest candidates uh, of the teams chasing the top four to to break up that pack? It's really unpredictable. I mean, you've got all these mini leagues in City at the moment. You've got Napoli who are in a league of their own. And then you've got uh, three teams on 34 points just outside the Champions League places, um, which is Atalanta, Lazio and Roma. And they've all got different strengths. Um, I would say Roma are a team that have to depend on keeping clean sheets and then one of Paolo Dybala and Tammy Abraham doing something special. Is that going to be enough over the rest of the season? I don't know. Um, Lazio can do a bit of everything, really, but Chiro Mobile is out at the moment, might be out for a fortnight or so. How are they going to cope with that? There seems to be, as across the Tiber uh, with, with Roma, there seems to be a little bit of simmering tension between coach and sporting director. Uh, in terms of what's realistic for them. And I think Atalanta have just been there and done it before, a few times under Gasparini. He knows how to get this done. And as with Napoli, there's a there's a freshness to this Atalanta team in that they've, they've, their signings are actually performing for them. It's all new to them. And so you know, I look at them and I think they are a team that is probably the most capable of doing damage to the four teams ahead of them in the scontri diretti. The, okay. the, the, the clashes that decide 
who gets in the top four. So Lennis Anna on the wrong end of that 8-2 scoreline, which must have been particularly painful uh, for uh, their goalkeeper, Guillermo Ochoa, uh, considering Ochoa. No nominative determinism in that. <laughs> uh, and it had even worse repercussions for their manager. Yeah. So many times of getting rid of Davide Nicola, who pulled off the Harry Houdini escape um, last season. Um, remember this time last year, Salernitana looked dead and buried and he was the man brave enough to take the job and kept them up. And Crotone. Uh, yeah, again, this guy just works miracles wherever he goes. And uh, look, they'll say he didn't, he has, they haven't won since the end of October. It's like, yes, there's a World Cup break in between. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, okay, I think they haven't won in six games. Um, but as you said, James, they're, they're pretty comfortable uh, mm. And it wasn't long ago that they were kind of pushing into mid-table with, the, with two of the promoted teams, Monza and Lecce. Feels, feels a bit harsh, James. Do you think one of the bottom three who do look in real trouble, Verona and Sampdoria, who are both seven points uh, from safety and Cremonese one point w- worse off, do you see one of them maybe looking to pick up uh, Davide Nicola? <laughs> well, Cremonese sacked their manager this weekend as well. And because Davide Nicola was not available, they went mm. up, They went for the other great escape artist in, in Serie A folklore, which is Davide Balladini, who has repeatedly kept Genoa up. Um, and so, yeah, I can't see Nicola going to Samp because he's Genoa through and through. I think the others are dead and buried, James, really. Um, and I, th- I think uh, it's, it's, it's a shame, particularly for Samp and, and Verona, because uh, it's the ownership situations at both of those clubs which have allowed those teams to drift and you know, kind of circle the drain a little bit. And they'll, 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 they'll go down this year. I think it's, it's, it's very difficult to anticipate one of them getting out of it. Wow. All right. Do you miss a simpler time when things made more sense? Say, the noughties? The City of B is probably the place for you. City of B, where not only is Gigi Buffon still playing for Parma, terrific performance in the Cup the other day, but also this Saturday in City of B, you had Claudio Ranieri taking charge of a oh, team against Cesc Fabregas. Amazing. <laughs> Cesc Fabregas, and in the stands, uh, there was Dennis Wise and Gianfranco Zola, because wow, Dennis yeah. Wise is Como's sort of executive sporting director, whatever. Um, the great thing about Claudio... Claudio, we all know, is about 400 now and has coached 700 teams. <laughs> sound like he Mourinho. Was, <laughs> he was, um, he kept like gesturing to like speak into his watch during the game. And he reveals that instead of being like the other managers who sit down and take notes, mm. he now does voice notes on his, his, his <laughs> Apple watch. And then he, he goes into his little room and he replays them before his halftime team talk. What? And then that's, that's what he does. So tech-savvy, Claudio. Amazing. It's magnificent. Fabregas came on only for the last 20 minutes, I think. Yes. Thierry Henry is also part of the whole setup at Como. You, I'm sure he was watch, either watching the game, on, like not, not in the same, but watching or keeping tabs on the results of the score. They, they're not doing well, though. Not doing well. Calorie, meantime, bringing in Claudio, Claudio Ranieri and uh, him taking them to a 2-0 victory there in his debut game. Lovely stuff. All right, well, uh, very shortly, we'll have a bunch of news from the world of Spanish football. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at lifescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. All right, lots going on in the Spanish game. You had the Clasico in the Super Cup in Riyadh. You had the Basque derby that you mentioned before, Alvaro. Why is it that I want to start with Shakira and Gerard Piquet? Well, Shakira and Gerard Piquet thing has been big in Spain. It has been so big that, uh, you know, part of the lyrics of Shakira's song with Bizarrap, who is probably the most famous Spanish-speaking music producer right now, Bizarrap, mm. uh, in the lyrics, uh, Shakira says that, uh, to Piquet, probably, allegedly, you change a Rolex for a Casio, referring right. to Piquet's news. You new, don't think this song is about Piquet? Girlfriend. I think it's pretty specific. Yeah. It's <laughs> about Piquet. I mean, she even says yeah. his name in it. But, but I think that the allegedly is it's never bad in a sentence. Okay. Uh, as a journalist. So hmm. I'm going to keep it. Um, and a Piquet's Kings League, which is a seven-a-side league that he organizes, will right. be sponsored by Casio now, by the way. Well, that's what he so. said. But, Alvaro, I want to ask... Is that actually true? So she makes this comment that he swapped a Ferrari for a Twingo, a Rolex for a Casio, and then yeah. he was in this kind of this live streaming thing with Sergio Aguero, and he goes, ha ha, the joke's on you, because Casio are going to sponsor my King's League. And I think Aguero says, is that true? He says, yeah, and he starts handing out Casios. Strange I know, reaction I, from someone uh, you know, about whom this song is not about. You know, it's, yeah, um, but, yeah. So... <laughs> I wanted to know if that was genuinely... I wanted to see Casio coming in and saying, we're going to sponsor this kind of minor seven-a-side league. For example, I mean... No, it's not got... minor. It's not minor. It's no, not? That's the thing. No, no, Jimbo. It's not minor. Okay. Um, it has around 500,000 uh, views. And I know that it's free online. You can find it okay. on YouTube. Do you know how many free. views Shakira got for hers in, in, well, in 24 when I, hours? When I checked that on Friday... Yeah. Uh, the day when it was released, yeah. uh, the volume 53 of Bizarrap, because yeah. this music producer doesn't title the songs, yeah. he just uh, puts yeah. a number to it, has uh-huh. 60 million views. Yeah, 63 already. million in 24 hours. Yeah. Casio should sponsor the, that. Exactly. <laughs> Do you know what time it is, Gerard and, Pique? And now, now seriously, that yeah. uh, leak of Gerard Pique, I don't Allegedly. have a verdict about that. I cannot say that it's a shit because if you have 500,000 views, even if it's free online, right. then it's not so bad. And uh, there is a massive culture uh, in Spain of um, Twitch followers, uh, casters or eSports commentators, and uh, many of those are involved in this league with Gerard Pique. And I don't think that this is a minimal thing. I really don't think that this is a minor thing. Of course, um, it won't be as successful as a professional football league, probably. But still, it's very commendable what Gerard Piquet gets 
and uh, having 500,000 views online is, 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 is not a small thing, not at all. All right. So uh, that's the regrettable ongoing, very public fallout between uh, Shakira and Gerard Piquet, which did result in that pretty fine piece of music and a, some lovely play on words with, with Piquet in that song. Uh, but anyway, meanwhile, on the field, uh, well, it, where do you want to go next, uh, Alvaro? Do you want to talk about the Bass Derby, that big win for Real Sociedad over your guys' athletic, or should we head off to Saudi? Let's start with the Super Cup. At the end of the day, this is a title and a very mm. important for Barcelona, believe it or not. Because Barcelona needed the trophy. Uh, they were trophyless in 2022. The last trophy they had won was the Spanish Cup in 2021. It's the first trophy or the first time for many players. For example, the first time for Sergio Busquets um, lifting a trophy as a captain. The first trophy of Xavi as Barcelona manager. Um, the first trophy of Gabi, for example, uh, the outstanding player of the final. Um, the first trophy uh, without Messi since 2005. So I think that there are over there like some important milestones that we shouldn't forget. And um, this title, the Spanish Super Cup 2023, was probably more celebrated than Barcelona winning the league in 2019. Because at the time, in 2019, the leagues were taken as granted by Barcelona. They had won like 18, 11 years, something like that. And when they won the league in 2019, it was like, okay, fine, homework done. Now we have to play against Liverpool in the Champions League. And then you know what happened. You know what happened that time. Ever since then, everything has gone downwards. Barcelona has had uh, three different managers, Kike Setien, then uh, Ronald Koeman, and now Xavi Hernández. And I think that the way they beat Real Madrid is very important because it wasn't only beating them 3-1 on a final. No, it was the way they played with a 4-4-2 because Xavi realized after El Clásico in October that if Barcelona played with a 4-3-3 or with two wingers, the team wasn't solid enough in defense. Uh, so he played with four midfielders, even though Gabi was on the left as a false winger. And uh, Barcelona tactically destroyed Real Madrid. In the second half, there were big rondos of Barcelona. Uh, it was a very confident display. And um, some players have come out as winners of this tournament. For example, Balde, the left back, uh, who has a tremendous ability to perform technically very well while he's running really fast, which is not so easy uh, on a guy who is not even 20. Uh, probably Christensen, a defender that uh, arrived in Barcelona like a fringe player, and I think that he's going to be important playing with Araujo, with Kunde, and with someone else. And uh, the team, generally speaking, beat Real Madrid comfortably with uh, many academy players like Araujo, like Gabi, like Ansu Fati scoring in the semifinal. Yeah, and uh, many more that uh, you may know of, uh, just uh, beating Real Madrid very well. And uh, Real Madrid, you know, suffered this defeat and it was a deserved win for Barcelona. Mm. It's a worrying run of form for Carlo Ancelotti's side. They only just scraped past Valencia in the semi-final. Before that, they were beaten uh, by Villarreal. I think it's four defeats now in their last 10 in all competitions. Is there, is there, is there some underlying issue there or is it just one of those periods of the season? You know, uh, before the World Cup, you could think that maybe some players were mm, unconsciously just uh, easing off a little bit before the tournament. But now, after the World Cup, Real Madrid is repeating the same dynamics, bad dynamics, that um, they were repeating 
back in October, at the beginning of November as well. Real Madrid has had bad results since the World Cup started. I think that Carlo Ancelotti doesn't trust on some players of the of the squad. Like for example, there are two players on the 25-man squad who are basically totally anonymous. One being Eden Hazard, one of the most expensive players in Real Madrid history. The other one, Mariano, a player that he probably you haven't heard of him at all over the last three years because he hasn't done anything in the last three years. I don't think that this is serious for Real Madrid. But Real Madrid last season had Mariano and Eden Hazard as well. Uh, but the rest of the squad was performing very well. I think that this season some players they are not showing their best possible level. Rudiger being clearly one of them. Then Camavinga, uh, he's a galvanic player. Uh, he's got plenty of electricity, but I don't think that he's ready to start for Real Madrid. Like in the, in the Super Cup, uh, everything is down to Vinicius, really, whatever he can do on the left. And Real Madrid has to recover again. Um, all those patterns that made them very competitive. It's not the first time that Real Madrid is uh, bad side in January and then uh, ends up winning one or two trophies, the biggest ones. But of course, I think that they have to start uh, doing their job as soon as possible because they are playing in the cup against Villarreal on Thursday. Then they are playing at San Mamés against Athletic Club Bilbao. If they suffer defeats in those games and Barcelona wins their league game, then Barcelona is going to open a six-point gap in La Liga mm. and uh, that is going to be pretty dangerous for Real Madrid. What do you think of Athletic's chances after their own 3-1 defeat this weekend at the hands of neighbours Real Sociedad? Well, I think that uh, an Athletic-Real Madrid game is uh, is a totally independent game. I mean, whatever their form in the league, normally Athletic Club Bilbao tends to perform uh, in a hyper-proteic way against Real Madrid, very, you know, passionate, uh, this is the team from the capital, and I think that Athletic is going to put a really good fight, but uh, normally Real Madrid races uh, to these kind of occasions as well, uh, Real Madrid suffers normally at some moments, but I think that this game is going to be pretty good, pretty good, of course, uh, when it comes to energy, Real Madrid will have to match Athletic Club Bilbao's energy, because Athletic has many young players who are very fast, so Real Madrid should be focused from the very beginning, otherwise they can't suffer at some mm, And the Basque side that Real also have to worry about are Real Sociedad, yeah. who are only three points behind Real now after their uh, 3-1 victory in, in the derby this weekend. Alexander Sorloth mm-hmm. has scored for four games in a row. Taki Kubo looking really good as well. Yeah, and the funny thing is that if you, in August 2022, have uh, written the preferred lineup of Imanol for Real Sociedad, probably Kubo and Sorloth wouldn't be starting uh, because it was Umar Sadik, the man who was going to be Real Sociedad's number nine, but he had an ACL injury, the former Almeria player, and Oyarzabal would have been the, the other striker. But Oyarzabal is just returning from his injury. It was good to see him scoring again a penalty the other day. And uh, Sorloth and Kubo are playing fantastically. I mean, Real Sociedad is a team uh, with a lot of depth in the squad. I mean... Uh, as I said before, Umar Sadik and Oyarzabal should be the preferred options for Imanol, but one of them is not available, the other one is just coming back. But then, the likes of Zubimendi, Kubo, Merino, Bryce Mendez, David Silva, these are very creative midfielders with a lot of quality, and they all play in the games for Real Sociedad. Imanol is using them, and Imanol is getting the best of them. Uh, let's don't forget that Imanol was the, best, the first manager in Spain who got the best of Martin Odegaard, Zinedine Zidane at Real Madrid um, didn't quite play him a lot, but then at Real Sociedad, Martin Odegaard saw everyone uh, a glimpse of his quality and he got a tremendous season for Real Sociedad. So 
I think that uh, there are many positives in Real Sociedad right now. The manager is on a long contract too. Uh, he's a Real Sociedad fan and uh, that I think that matters in the sense that his commitment is 100% and uh, he doesn't want to go anywhere right now. And, uh, you know, by the way, uh, the managers of Guipúzcoa or the area of San Sebastián, uh, they are so good right now and they are doing so well. Uh, the likes of Arteta, Imanol Alguacil, even Unai Emery, Lopetegui in the past. I mean, all the managers are from there, from that area, not even the past country. I, I would say that they are from a, a, a very small region like Guipúzcoa and, uh, you know, they are all top manager. So congratulations to them and to Basque football as well, because it was a derby in which I think that around 20, 25 footballers that took part in it, they were either academy players from Real Sociedad or Athletic de Bilbao, or they were Basque. So, you know, it was a really good, really good derby, good performance, and Real Sociedad, sadly for me, won it, but they deserve it. There you go. Real Sociedad on a seven-game winning streak in all competitions. The Basque region, the new Glasgow in, in managerial terms perhaps mm. all right alvaro anything else about la liga yeah very quickly a little bit of soul boat uh, number one do you remember the dribbling without the dribbling of pele well uh, there is the assist without assisting of antoine griezmann that you have to watch in the goal of uh, angel correa uh, for atletico de madrid and then two goals in la liga which were amazing in getafe espanol both in the first half jose lu scoring from the halfway line and then en nacional Scoring one of the most beautiful screamers you will see this week. Lo ha visto José Lu. Primero ha sido muy buena la presión. Ojo disparo gol. Qué golazo. Gol. Denis. Descomunal. With the, what do you call it? The inset of his foot, just putting the ball in the top corner. From a position in which any player would have crossed the ball, he decided to take a shot, and the Turkish player of Getafe scored a beautiful goal as well. You have to watch it. All right, check those out. Next up, we hear about the Bundesliga, which returns this Friday night. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is the Totally Football Show, part of The Athletic Podcast Network. Bundesliga gets back underway this Friday after two months off. Woof. I'm ready, you're ready. Is Raphael Honigstein ready? Let's ask him. Two months off for the Bundesliga. What can you remember? <laughs> of the Bundesliga? Yeah. Oh, quite a lot, Bayern actually. Atop. Because Bayern atop, yeah. Dortmund are only sixth. Only sixth. Freiburg and Union Berlin are in the Champions League places. Yeah. Quite remarkable. Well, Union are now fifth, no? They've dropped. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Yeah, sorry. you see? Yeah. They're one point off Nearly. that. Yeah, nearly. nearly. After leading, as I recall, the standings for the first time in their entire history earlier on, but a little bit of a fall-off in results just before the break. So, you mentioned Dortmund there. You should come back from your holidays with them. (laughs) That's what my wife said. But just uh, for the benefit of producer Charlie and, of course, all other employers of mine, categorically, this was not a holiday. Right, yes. The sun might have been shining. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there was a beach, but it was all work, 24 hours, very, very hard work. Indeed. All right, what came of it, Raf? I'm writing a very long interview with Edin Terzic, who mm-hmm. spoke a lot about his upbringing, his journey as a coach. You know, he worked at the assistant coach of Slavon Bilic in Turkey. He was there at West Ham. Of course, he was the assistant coach of Lucien Favre before taking over. And really interesting and very, very yeah, fascinating guy. I also spoke to Emre Can for an interview, which we'll be, we'll be running a little bit later, before Dortmund will take on Chelsea in the Champions League. And, you know, one or two other behind-the-scenes sort of things. Uh, I watched uh, Dortmund uh, beat Düsseldorf 5-1, and I watched the comeback of Sebastian Allaire, which was really... Rather lovely. Indeed. One of the two questions I had about Dortmund was, one, is there any further word on what Jude Bellingham might be doing with his future? And the other is whether the freshly restored Sebastian Allaire, who I know produced a hat-trick in 10 minutes in one friendly against Basel, will be enough to power them back up the table. Well, to take the second question, I think Dortmund are hopeful that Sebastian Allaire will make a big difference. He did score uh, three goals against Basel. He... Looks sharp. He looks in in great form. His his legs are very well defined. Uh, he looks very muscular. Um, you wouldn't think that this is someone who's had to go through chemotherapy not long ago and uh, and surgery as well. So really, really optimistic. And they have everyone else ready as well, with the exception of Mathieu uh, Mathieu Moret, who still needs a bit of time. Uh, and Thomas Muni got injured, but uh, there were 28 players on that plane <laughs> out to Spain. And certainly in terms of the depth, uh, there's every chance that they should pick up results because the first half of the season was really disappointing. 25 points is is really uh, rather poor from 15 games. Only 25 goals scored, which shows you that uh, Alea was, was badly missed and wasn't really adequately replaced. So I think Dortmund are basically hoping that they cannot possibly be as bad and will be will be a lot better. And I'd, I'd say that they have a lot of reason to be optimistic. 
less optimism about Jude Bellingham staying beyond the season. Uh, Sebastian Kiel, the sporting director, said that uh, so far they haven't received any offers. But, uh, of course, they still would like to, him to stay. They will still try whatever they can to make him stay. But I think there is a bit of a tacit acceptance and a silent acknowledgement that uh, he will, in all likelihood, depart this summer. Uh, where, though, is... Um, I wouldn't say anyone's guess, but there isn't really any indication uh, as far as Dortmund know because no one's talked to them about uh, signing him. So they're a little bit in the dark at this point. Okay. Well, in the meantime, the Bundesliga restarts with an absolutely cracking match on Friday evening as Bayern Munich visit RB Leipzig, who currently lie third. Bayern, who had a, an interesting time of it over the last two months, leaving losing both uh, Manuel Neuer to that skiing accident and then in the World Cup Lucas Hernandez who ruptured a cruciate ligament and they've already taken steps or they're taking steps to replace one and have already replaced the other with some interesting names Yeah, Daily Blind has come in which is a, a really interesting uh, signing he was out of contract after falling out with uh, Alfred Schreuder at Ajax um, somebody who can help Bayern immediately by being a backup on the left by being a centre-back backup but also Possibly playing on the right, where unfortunately uh, Nusseh Masrawi will be out after suffering uh, an infection of uh, the pericardium, which is a sac around the heart uh, connected with a COVID infection. Um, they're, ho- they're hoping it's not too bad, but uh, he will be out for a few weeks. And as you said, with Lucas Hernandez being out and Benjamin Pavard being a little bit out of form, they, they do need options at the back. In goal, uh, there's still a big uh, Manuel Neuer-shaped hole, even though Sven Ulreich, the number two, has been um, deputising before. And Julian Nagelsmann has said, well, of course he can do a job, which perhaps didn't sound like the biggest ringing endorsement you might, you might hear from a coach for uh, a goalkeeper. And they're still hoping that Jan Sommer of uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach and the Swiss national team can be taken out of Borussia Mönchengladbach because there's no doubt that he would like to go. The question is, can Gladbach find a replacement, uh, which is, of course, their condition for releasing him halfway through the season. Okay. Uh, FC Bayern, winners of the last 10 consecutive seasons in the Bundesliga, four points ahead at the moment, which doesn't feel a lot. Is that smaller lead than they would generally have at this point? Yeah, they haven't been um, all that impressive at times. They had a few poor results. The problem, I think, is not so much what they're doing, but you'd expect both Leipzig, who are the closest challengers, I think, realistically, um, with a win on Friday, they could come within three points of Bayern because they are playing Bayern at home. Mm. Uh, But Dortmund, really, uh, being so far behind the curve or off the pace, that's, I think, what a big disappointment is, that Bayern, a Bayern side that uh, have looked good but haven't looked invincible, um, are still, yeah, they're still poised to win, of course, the 11th title in row simply because the quality behind them just doesn't, doesn't seem to be there. Or shall we say the consistency doesn't seem to be there? Mm. But uh, let's say if, 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 if Leipzig were to pull off that win on Friday night then all of a sudden we might have a bit of a title race. Crikey. Well, that'll be interesting. How did Leipzig look going into that game? Yeah, they've looked okay. They've um, 
one or two issues uh, with uh, the strikers not really performing well. Andre Silva struggling a little bit. Uh, Christopher Nkunku is injured, which is a real problem, of course. He's been so important for them. And they will have to get to grips with uh, him leaving. Uh, Max Eberle, sporting director, has all but confirmed that he's going to Chelsea, which, of course, is no longer a very well-kept secret. But they have they have the quality. I think Conrad Leimer coming back is huge for them. They're a box-to-box midfielder. Uh, and Timo Werner is also back. So there is, I think, enough there. Uh, can they not just do it against Bayern on a, on a wet and windy night at home mm. on Friday, but also against some of the lesser sides. Uh, that's where the title might be won or lost and they really need to do a lot better. They've, they've come back in a good position after Marco Rosa took over from Domenico Tedesco, but they need now to sustain it and actually improve on that if they have any realistic chance of pushing Bayern all the way. Okay, speaking of the lesser sides, down at the bottom end, the relegation spots occupied by Borkham and Schalke. Schalke heading back down again after coming back up again. Uh, with Stuttgart just above them in the playoff spot, who are only behind uh, Hertha Berlin on goal difference. What, what's your take on the relegation struggle? Well, Schalke look, unfortunately, a little bit doomed. Um, they've already changed manager. It hasn't really had much of a desired effect. There is not a lot of quality. They haven't really strengthened. Apparently, there is no money to strengthen. It almost feels like one of those situations where the club feel it might be, even though they won't say it publicly, it might be better to go down and then rebuild than to now try to save the situation with money they don't have and then be even in a worse situation when they do go down and bigger debts. So you can say they're realistic about their chances of staying up, which are very slim with nine points. But uh, as I said, having already brought in Thomas Reis from their relegation rivals, Farfel Bochum, um, things look bleak with nine points from 15. And he's a good manager, but I think it'd be a major surprise and minor miracle if you were to keep them up at this point. So Schalke basically hired another manager who's in an equally big mess that they were already in. Correct, yeah. Interesting tactics. It is an interesting tactic. I mean, I guess they're saying if there's one expert in relegation battle, it is this guy because he's fighting against relegation as well with Bochum. Um, to be fair to Thomas Reis, he's shown in the seasons before and, uh, of course, by taking Bochum up in the first place that he is a, a decent manager. But Schalke is, is a challenge for for the most experienced, the best managers at the best of times uh, because it is such a noisy club and there's a lot of people always involved and a lot of politics. Um, Schalke without any money, now, without any realistic prospect of staying up, that's going to be um, yeah, an interesting story to watch, but maybe not a pretty one. OK. Uh, finally then, Rafi, we mentioned one or two of the moves that uh, Bayern have done and are looking to get done. Any other big transfer deals in the offing for this January? Uh, not that we've heard of. I mean, Bundesliga clubs have sold, of course. They sold uh, Kevin Schade to Brentford. They've sold Jorginho Rutter from Hoffenheim to Leeds uh, for a lot of money. But um, apart from Bayern and their goalkeeping quests, I don't think we can expect any big moves. Bundesliga clubs famously reluctant to bring mm. in uh, players in the winter. 
um, usually because they're so reluctant to sell, which means that you have that uh, you know house chain phenomenon where you just cannot move because the the sixth uh, seller or buyer down the chain just won't won't sell. Um, that's a little bit of the situation. Um, but buying you know with daily blind and Jan Sommer coming in, possibly I think that's already that would probably count as a big January for them by Bundesliga standards. Excellent. All right, Rafa. Well, lovely to have you back and look forward to getting your reaction to all of that next week. Cheers. Rafael Honigstein. Excellent. Well, looking good then for another big weekend of European football coming up. Pick out one game we should all look out for. Alvaro from Spain. Well, I will refer to the Spanish Cup on Thursday. Real Madrid-Villarreal. Oh. Ooh. Yeah, Villarreal, who beat them only the other day in the league. James? Well, there is some Coppa Italia coming up, James. I know you're really excited by the prospect of uh, Napoli-Cremonese, yep. Atalanta-Spezia. But, um, um, but as you said, for the weekend, it's, uh, it probably has to be that, uh, that game that pits uh, Juventus against Atalanta rather than right. the uh, Campanian derby between Salernitano and Napoli. Which, Lazio you know, Milan as well. It's a, it's, it's a big game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Catch all the goals from 7 o'clock on BT Sport 1 on Sunday. And then live coverage of Juventus Atalanta. Woof. Jules? What is the French Cup uh, this weekend in France, guys? So we have Marseille against Rennes, for example, which is a great tie. And then there's a bit of a derby between Chambéry from the lower leagues and Lyon. And then I think we have to see if... Um, there could be another upset, of course, in the cup. Uh, remember Strasbourg, Koningshofen, the team in the sixth division, beat Clermont from Liga in the last round. Uh, they face Angers at home again. I mean, they're going to play in the Strasbourg Stadium, but uh, this time round, so very much maybe an upset on the card there. And then another team from the sixth division, uh, USP, the Castle, will face PSG. So very much David against Goliath. Uh, and, and let's see if maybe they can cause what will be the biggest, greatest upset of all time. What a weekend and prospect. Hope you enjoy whatever it is you end up watching. Uh, listener, and thank you for being with us today. Many thanks as well to Jules Alvaro, James Raphael Honigstein, and producer Charlie from all of us here. It's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an athletic media company production and sponsored by LiveScore Bet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. 